I am on my deathbed, again. Although I have done everything in my power to survive, it has not been enough. A human being can only bear so much. I turn my face to the wall in bitter remembrance. Father had died suddenly at Christmas, leaving a colossal vacuum which we quickly realised would never, could never, be filled. In some strange way, he had been the secret glue which held us all together, and with his passing, my sisters and I, never friends at the best of times, had now, and quite inexplicably, become the most deadly of mortal enemies, each of us wanting desperately to be in charge, to gain some control over her shattered life, found herself at odds with the others at every turn. Words and crockery were thrown with equal carelessness. It didn't seem to matter much who was hit. With our family on the verge of breaking up, Aunt Felicity had come down from London to sort us out, or so she claimed. In case we had forgotten it, we were quickly reminded of the fact that our dear auntie was, as the Book of Common Prayer so charitably puts it, a woman who followed the devices and desires of her own heart. In short, she was at best a stubborn old woman, and at worst, a bully and a tyrant. Buckshaw was to be sold at once, Aunt Felicity insisted, even though in law it was mine to do with as I pleased. Feely was to be married off to her fiancé, Dieter Schrantz, with all haste, or at least as quickly as possible as soon as a respectable period of mourning had been observed. Daffy would be sent up to Oxford to read English. Who knows, but that, given time, you might even become a gifted teacher, Aunt Felicity had said, upon which Daffy had thrown her teacup and saucer into the fireplace and stormed out of the room. Tantrums were useless, Aunt Felicity had told us icily, Tantrums solve no problems, but only create new ones. As for me, I was to be taken up to London, along with my cousin Andine, to live with Aunt Felicity until she could decide what to do with us. In my case, I knew that meant sending me somewhere to continue those studies which had been interrupted when I was chucked out of Miss Bodicote's female academy in Canada. But what of Dogger and Mrs Mullet? What would become of them? They shall be paid off and each given a small pension in proportion to their years of service, Aunt Felicity had decreed, and I'm sure they will both be very grateful. Dogger fobbed off with a pension? It was unthinkable. Dogger had given us almost his entire life, first to my father, then to my mother, and later to my sisters and myself. I pictured him sitting on a quaint wooden bench by a river somewhere, dressed in a rough-spun pensioner's jacket, forced to beg bread from the passing tourists who took occasional snapshots of him to send home to their cretinous relatives. Dogger deserved better than that. And Mrs. Mullet? Left to cook for total strangers, she would languish and die, and we would be responsible. Our lives were looking exceedingly grim, then, at the beginning of February, to make matters worse, King George had died. King George the Sixth, that lovely man who once sat and chatted so happily with me in our drawing-room as if I were his own daughter. And with his passing, the entire nation, 
Indeed, all of the Commonwealth countries, perhaps even the whole world, joined in the shock and sadness of our own recent bereavement. And what of me? What of Flavia de Luce? I would perish, I decided, rather than submit to a lifetime locked in some dismal pigeon-infested London square with an aunt who valued the Union Jack more than her own blood, I would simply do away with myself. And as an authority on poisons, I knew precisely how to accomplish it. No cyanide for me, thank you. I knew the symptoms all too well. The vertigo, the dizziness, the burning in the throat and stomach, and, as the vagus nerve becomes paralysed, the difficulty in breathing, the cold sweat the feeble pulse, the muscular paralysis, the crushing heaviness of the heart, the slobbering. I think it was the slobbering, more than anything, that put me off the cyanide. What self-respecting young woman would want to be found dead in her bedroom, drowned in her own drool? There were easier ways of joining the heavenly choir. And so, here I am on my deathbed, all warm and cosy, my half-closed eyes moving slowly for the last time across that ghastly, red-clotted, mustard-yellow wallpaper. I shall simply fall asleep and they will never find so much as a trace of what it was that did me in. How clever of me to have hit upon it. They'll be sorry, I thought. They'll all be sorry. But no, I mustn't let it end like that mustn't let it end with such a commonplace expression. That was the kind of platitude milkmaids died with, or match girls.'